the worship of man. The last 300 years are often depicted as an age of growing secularism, in which religions have increasingly lost their importance. If we are talking about theist religions, this is largely correct. But if we take into consideration natural law religions, then modernity turns out to be an age of intense religious fervor, unparalleled missionary efforts, and the bloodiest wars of religion in history. The modern age has witnessed the rise of a number of new natural law religions, such as liberalism, communism, capitalism, nationalism, and Nazism. These creeds do not like to be called religions and refer to themselves as ideologies. But this is just a semantic exercise. If a religion is a system of human norms and values that is founded on belief in a superhuman order, then Soviet communism was no less a religion than Islam. Islam is of course different from communism because Islam sees the superhuman order governing the world as the edict of an omnipotent creator God, whereas Soviet communism did not believe in gods. But Buddhism, too, gives short shrift to gods, and yet we commonly classify it as a religion. Like Buddhists, Communists believed in a superhuman order of natural and immutable laws that should guide human actions. Whereas Buddhists believe that the law of nature was discovered by Siddhartha Gautama, Communists believe that the law of nature was discovered by Karl Marx, Friedrich Engels, and Vladimir Ilyich Lenin. The similarity does not end there. Like other religions, communism too has its holy scripts and prophetic books, such as Marx's Das Kapital, which foretold that history would soon end with the inevitable victory of the proletariat. Communism had its holidays and festivals such as the 1st of May and the anniversary of the October Revolution. It had theologians adept at Marxist dialectics, and every unit in the Soviet army had a chaplain called a commissar, who monitored the piety of soldiers and officers. Communism had martyrs, holy wars, and heresies such as a troxism, Soviet communism was a fanatical and missionary religion. A devout communist could not be a Christian or a Buddhist and was expected to spread the gospel of Marx and Lenin, even at the price of his or her life. And figure, a figure here shows religion is a system of human norms and values that's founded on belief in a superhuman order. 
The theory of relativity is not a religion because, at least so far, there are no human norms and values that are founded on it. Football is not a religion because nobody argues that its rules reflect superhuman edicts. Islam, Buddhism, and communism are all religions because all are systems of human norms and values that are founded on belief in a superhuman order. Note the difference between superhuman and supernatural. The Buddhist law of nature and the Marxist laws of history are superhuman since they were not legislated by humans, yet they are not supernatural. Some readers may feel very uncomfortable with this line of reasoning. If it makes you feel better, you are free to go on calling communism an ideology rather than a religion. It makes no difference. We can divide creeds into God-centered religions and godless ideologies that claim to be based on natural laws. But then, to be consistent, we would need to catalog at least some Buddhist, Taoist, and Stoic sects as ideologies rather than religions. Conversely, we should note that belief in gods persists within many modern ideologies and that some of them, most notably liberalism, make little sense without this belief. It would be impossible to survey here the history of all the new modern creeds, especially because there are no clear boundaries between them. They are no less syncretic than monotheism and popular Buddhism just as a Buddhist could worship Hindu deities, and just as monotheists could believe in the existence of Satan. So the typical American nowadays is simultaneously a nationalist. She believes in the existence of an American nation with a special role to play in history. A free market capitalist. She believes that open competition and pursuit of self-interest are the best ways to create a prosperous society and a liberal humanist. She believes that humans have been endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Nationalism will be discussed in chapter 18. Capitalism, the most successful of the modern religions, gets a whole chapter, chapter 16, which expounds its principal beliefs and rituals. In the remaining pages of this chapter, I will address the humanist religions. Theist religions focus on the worship of gods. Humanist religions worship humanity, or more correctly, Homo sapiens. Humanism is a belief that Homo sapiens has a unique and sacred nature, which is fundamentally different from the nature of all other animals and of all other phenomena. Humanists believe that the unique nature of Homo sapiens is the most important thing in the world, and it determines the meaning of everything that happens in the universe. The supreme good is the good of Homo sapiens. The rest of the world and all other beings exist solely for the benefit of this species.
All humanists worship humanity, but they do not agree on its definition. Humanism has split into three rival sects that fight over the exact definition of humanity. Just as rival Christian sects fought over the exact definition of God. Today, the most important humanist sect is liberal humanism, which believes that humanity is a quality of individual humans and that the liberty of individuals is therefore sacrosanct. According to liberals, the sacred nature of humanity resides within each and every individual Homo sapiens. The inner core of individual humans gives meaning to the world and is the source for all ethical and political authority. If we encounter an ethical or political dilemma, we should look inside and listen to our inner voice, the voice of humanity. The chief commandments of liberal humanism are meant to protect the liberty of this inner voice against intrusion of harm, rather, or harm. These commandments are collectively known as human rights. This, for example, is why liberals object to torture and the death penalty. In early modern Europe, murderers were thought to violate and destabilize the cosmic order. To bring the cosmos back to balance, it was necessary to torture and publicly execute the criminal so that everyone could see the order re-established. Attending gruesome executions was a favorite pastime for Londoners and Parisians in the era of Shakespeare and Moliere. In today's Europe, murder is seen as a violation of the sacred nature of humanity. In order to restore order, present-day Europeans do not torture and execute animals. Instead, they punish a murderer in what they see as the most humane way possible, thus safeguarding and even rebuilding his human sanctity. By honor honoring the human nature of the murderer, everyone is reminded of the sanctity of humanity and order is restored. By defending the murderer, we write what the murderer has wronged. Even though to be continued.